and uh, we spent three weeks, three weeks in Lhasa, or in Tibet, in the surrounding area. Uh, we went on day trips. We went to monasteries, uh, Semya Semya Monastery. We spent a week weekend there. Uh, that was amazing. Uh, crossing the river on a boat it took us an hour to cross because of the, you know trying to miss the sand dunes. It wasn't a boat; it was like a raft, and there was a group of us on this raft, and uh, it took us. So long to get, we could see the other side, but you couldn't just go straight across. You had to, you know, miss these sort of sandy, uh, shallow areas. Right? So that was, and it was cold. We, we, it was you know, minus 25 in Lhasa at that time too. So, but we were warm because, you know, I don't know. It's the altitude, the people. There's there's something about the place that the people just. Breathe spirituality. They just, they just have this. I don't know. And it's not just the, the the lamas and the monks. It's it's the you know the people, the everyday, the common people. And and during the winter, because you know they don't have much to do with their their herding or their farming, they they pilgrimage. They pilgrimage to different. Uh, Monasteries to Samya, to to Lasha, to Jonkan Temple, they they travel and they walk. However, they uh, to these on these pilgrimages as they walk, they they do their prostrating prostrating mm -hmm. as they go and their prayers. So it it was for me. It was I guess that's my trip of a lifetime. Yes, my name is. Uh, Stuart McIsaac. I am now a yogi, a sound yogi, a kirtanwala, and these are further reflections. Welcome to episode 22 of Further Reflections. I'm your host, Mark A. This episode is being released on September 16th of 2018, and will feature a conversation with Stuart McIsaac. I've known Stuart since 2012. I checked my email, and I have correspondence with him going back to 2012. I first met Stuart via his wife, Ivy, 
I was taking some yoga classes at a studio in Canada, which is part of Ottawa, if you're not from there. And um, at that yoga studio, which was called Mountain Goat Yoga, uh, one of the I did a number of classes there, and one of the instructors was Ivy. And Ivy was teaching, I'm trying to remember what class, maybe a yin class or something like that. And I went a few times, and then I saw that they were offering a curtain at the yoga studio and I went and Ivy was part of that curtain and uh, Stuart was leading the curtain I believe. Stuart is Ivy's husband and so I got to know Stuart and then they started having this curtain at their house which I think they still yeah they still have it uh, monthly now but I think they were having it even more than that uh, before so I started for I don't know for maybe a year or so, or maybe more, I started going regularly to their house um, for Kirtan. And at that time, they were very interested in sort of the Krishna movement, and the Hare Krishna. But as you'll hear in the interview, they've kind of moved uh, beyond that to talk about um, the works of Sivananda and how he has influenced their uh, Kirtan practice and their I don't know, maybe their beliefs, or at least Stuart's uh, kind of um, influence of Sivananda. But he's known about Sivananda going back uh, many years. Stuart is many things. He's a uh, yogi. He describes himself as a yogi, maybe a sound yogi. And uh, also he leads uh, Kirtan. He's also a uh, was an ESL instructor at a local college here for a while. And in the late uh, 1990s to the mid-2000s, uh, he had a, I suppose you could say a career as an English language teacher abroad. He started in the Czech Republic for a year, yeah, in the late 90s, I believe. And then he ended up going to North China in, yeah, shortly after that. And in North China, he, uh, well, he had an interesting time, and he talks a little bit about that. But um, basically, he while he was in North China, he maybe found it a little, um, I don't know, not quite as colorful, maybe not quite as traditional. He was in, uh, I believe, Liaoning province, which is uh, part of Manchuria. But uh, while Stuart was in the north of China, and he did uh, visit Beijing at that time, which is not too far away from, Beijing is more in the north. But uh, while he was in China, he heard about the city of Guangzhou in the south of China. And Guangzhou is where Cantonese language comes from. It's very close to Hong Kong, the city of Shenzhen. It's all one uh, kind of mega area now. It's a very uh, lively place. And he heard about Guangzhou, and I think several years later he accepted a teaching position in Guangzhou, and he talks about that. And um, we were. this is the second interview I recorded with Stuart, the first interview, I was using my mini recorder, uh, a Vistra mini recorder. I recorded this interview, and the recorder, I couldn't download the track because the recorder was damaged or broken. I couldn't get it to get the file. So I recorded a second interview with Stuart's uh, recorder, which is a um, Olympus WS853 recorder, just for, yeah, for your information. And I'm going to get one of those, I think, because it seems pretty good. It's a little more sensitive than the Avistra one. And that conversation would have been nice to have kept because it was more, I would say, more casual than some of the interviews I do. It was 
a lot of reminiscing. If you've listened to some of this podcast before, you may know that I also taught in China for a number of years, and I'm not sure. I don't think I ever overlap with Stuart. I think he left in the maybe around 2006 or so from、uh, China, but I I maybe overlapped、uh, in another place. But from 2007 to 2008, I also taught in the city of Guangzhou, so we were kind of reminiscing about.、Uh, Guangzhou in that interview, and I also taught in Europe, not in、uh, Czech Republic, but in Poland, and we were talking more about that. And、um, I'd been to Prague in the Czech Republic, and Stuart lived in a place、uh, not so far away from Prague, maybe. So we were talking more casually about our experiences and reminiscing about life in Guangzhou. And、uh, I hope to do in the new year some more podcasts about my experiences in China. They're over ten years now since I left China. And、uh, I was there for three years and taught in three different provinces, and it would be interesting to kind of reminisce on that. Guangzhou had some of the best and maybe some of the worst of、uh, China. There was I love the architecture there, the people, the food, but there were some I don't know the development. Maybe it's more capitalistic there. It's a little more the development is a little more rampant. Maybe I'm not sure. It's one big mega area, Guangdong Province. Is the, probably the most populated province in China. It's different. It's kind of getting borderline tropical. The weather is good. We could eat outside a lot. So that interview, yeah, is lost. But we do talk about Guangzhou. While Stuart was in Guangzhou, that's where he met his wife Ivy. She's she was born in China, and I think she's from the city of Guangzhou. So he talks about how they met, and he talks about his trip to Yunnan province. Yunnan is in the west of China. It's west of Guangzhou. It's sort of where, where the mountains start. It's、uh, he mentions that maybe the mythical Shangri-La was inspired by a place in Yunnan province. So for him, it was Guangzhou, but also Yunnan. I never quite made it to Yunnan, but I have some other interesting experiences in different parts of China, including the west, northwest of China, which is.、Uh, Gansu Province and Xinjiang, which is the more Muslim part, the old、uh, Silk Road went through there. So there's some. When I do that podcast, I'll reminisce on that trip in、uh, 2005. But、uh, yeah, Stuart talks about. Stuart was also a、uh, singer-songwriter, and we also discuss、uh, that in the interview. In the in the middle of the interview, I'll take a little break and play some music. It's something different, but. Stewart's given me permission to use his music in the podcast. He's a yeah singer songwriter and a, a musician, and now he's more doing devotional chants and、uh, kirtan like things. But it's from the album Wishing Tree Chants, which was released in about 2017. And I'm going to play the second track, which is Om Namah Shivaya, and we'll hear a little bit of that in the middle of the interview. I've recorded an interview for the next episode of the podcast. It'll be with Trevor Hache of the Healthy Transportation Coalition. I've I've been aware of Trevor for a number of years, but we only really met formally back in May at a training, a leadership training for the group Ecology Ottawa, and we've been bouncing ideas for this podcast back and forward. But now it's kind of urgent because there's a municipal election here in Ottawa, and so Trevor has this、uh, idea for the Healthy Transportation Coalition, which is healthytransportation.ca. They're kind of putting forward this idea about、uh, the light rail, which is coming to Ottawa.、It's、supposed to be opening 
maybe around uh, November of this year, but I'm not sure if it will meet the deadline. But uh, they want to build uh, more low-income housing around transit stations and generally uh, build more low-income housing. So Trevor is going to talk a lot about that and some of his thoughts around uh, sort of the local issues and the local election. This is very much a podcast that would be more relevant to someone living in the city of Ottawa, Canada. But there's probably enough that uh, even if you don't live there, you can glean something from that. Trevor's uh, kind of uh, very mm, socially minded person, uh, interested in urban design and uh, environmental issues. I think he used to work for Ecology Ottawa and now he's with the Healthy Transportation Coalition. So that would be an interesting interview. But for now, we're going to listen to Stuart McIsaac and uh, we'll catch you next time. joined by Stuart McIsaac. This is actually the second interview we recorded in a week, but uh, welcome to the podcast. Hopefully this this will work. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Stuart. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so yeah. you can start by uh, just introducing yourself. Tell us a bit about yourself, maybe. Uh, my name is Stuart McIsaac. I am a yogi and a yoga instructor, I would say I am now, and uh, that seems to be my concern and interest and aspirations, I suppose, to uh, explore and study. I've been studying yoga for a while now, and now I'm begin, beginning to teach, teach yoga, and my wife and I have uh, sort of co-founded, or I, we founded a yoga studio, a Wishing Tree Yoga, and so we, we were working and working with that and, and developing uh, developing our, our yogic skills, I guess, and uh, but yeah, but that seems to be the path of most interest now and and we're householders we have a son and so we're family and and our our studio is at home it's a home studio now uh, we tried a more commercial space but we couldn't really afford it to keep up with the client you know the client and the expenses of having a, a leasing a space 
So we, we've moved it back home and we have a small, small area, yoga room, you know, formerly a living room, I guess, but yeah. So it, it works quite well and the clients that come are happy to, to be there, but it, we can't hold a large group. You know, there's only maybe maximum, I've seen seven or eight in that room. We also have a kirtan, so that's my other passion, I guess, and and that comes from from my music background. Is uh, kirtan and chanting? I I really enjoy <laughs> chanting and and arranging. Uh, we have a monthly kirtan where we get together and sing sing together, and we I prefer to sing. Uh, in Sanskrit, you know, the language of yoga, the chants, the mantras, and I arrange them for, well, guitar, and and as a group we kind of arrange them, you know, percussion, and, and we, we chant together, so. And there's something about, you know, getting together, and these are healing, sacred healing chants that we're, we're chanting and working with, and there's a lot of love. There's a lot of love that goes, you know, coming from the heart and to the heart through these chants, these ancient mantras, these ancient Indian mantras. So I really hmm, appreciate, well, I mean, I try to chant daily, more recently too, and but when we get together as a group and the, the different voices and we're chanting and, and Actually, the harmony that comes out of our chanting, it's really special. It's a special, sacred, sacred time. So, you know, yoga and the yoga of sound, which is the, you know, part of what kirtan is, uh, I, that, this has become my passion and my path. And uh, I'm enjoying the journey. It, it's not... Uh, lucrative in terms of finance money, but I guess I'm just at a point where it, that's not bothering me too much in that in that sense. So. Okay. And you, when I first joined the Kirtan a, year, a few years back, it was more uh, Hare Krishna, but I think, and you were studying Krishna, but I think you're moving to some other teacher now or some other yeah, form of... I guess it's more or form. I mean, we're kind of developing our own Kirtan, but uh, it's more another a list, a Kirtan list. Uh, Ivy, my wife, she's been uh, writing. She wrote a book, a complete uh, yoga manual that's available at the Ottawa Public Library or at Singing Pebble Books. But she's also now so and and that that time that study was more looking at uh, Sri Krishna and and, uh, and a lot of the chants. There was, there's a CD that I developed and uh, recorded a wishing tree chant. So it kind of focuses on you know the name of uh, the name of Krishna and the, and the different forms. So a lot of the chants, the mantras are towards that. Now we have the new focus and the new focus and a new book that uh, Ivy is writing and it's on yin yoga 
So she's bringing in yin yoga as, as more uh, and more of her background in traditional Chinese medicine. So she's bringing meridian theory, and you know she's she's blending it with uh, with yoga as as yin yoga is supposed to be, or as is presented as. So she's writing this book and working on it diligently, daily, and um, it's it. Her books start out as teacher training manuals. So she has developed a teacher training, the 200 hour uh, yoga alliance teacher training in Hatha yoga. So that was her first book. And this, this, the yin yoga book is begin begins as a manual. So it's uh, so it's a 50 hour yin yoga teacher training. Now I've been through both teacher trainings and uh, I've, I've learned much and, uh, and it continues. So, and uh, so the manual be becomes a book, or as the f the first uh, manual did with the, the Hatha Yoga, okay. and and accompanying this book will also be another recording and another list of mantras, which we've been practicing now in the Kirtan, and it 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 deals with water. It's actually water, and. It, the source of the water, the source and the, the focus of the Tao, the Tao in China, that is water. There's a, and the, a lot of the metaphors are about water. So this is how uh, it begins. That's the beginning, the way, the Tao. And, and from there, uh, it, through Sanskrit mantras, you know, talking about the Gange, Gangi, Ganji rivers and the, the different rivers of, of China, of, of India actually more. <laughs> so we're blending, you know, some uh, Chinese philosophy, Indian philosophy, and, and um, chanting these mantras to, and relating them to the different times of year, spring, autumn, winter, summer, mm -hmm. constant summer, so different relationships and uh, so she gave me a list of mantras and we talked about them and and uh, how she proposed to have them in the manual in the book and uh, so I've been we've been chanting them at Kirtan and they, they deal with uh, Kali Kali is a, a, a form of the divine feminine and uh, Shakti which is the the actual divine energy? The divine energy is Shakti. So, and other, you know, Omani Padme Om, Om Tara. So, there's different chants going through, coming through, and and then there are, yeah, a list of different chants. So it's different. It's different, and it also uh, focuses on the work of. Sivananda, so Sivananda is a saint of uh, who who began a lineage. He was a doctor. He was a doctor in India, and he began his studies and and became a yogi. And and one of his disciples came to Canada, came to Montreal, and opened a, 
a center, the Sivananda Center, in honor of his uh, teacher, and uh, also opened an ashram north of Montreal in the Laurentian Mountains, the Sivananda Yoga Camp. And uh, this was uh, Vishnu Devananda. And he um, subsequently opened different centers in North America throughout the world, honoring his uh, guru. And, and they're moderate, inclusive style of yoga and yoga studies. So it's interesting to visit. And if you ever have a chance, Mark, is to visit the, uh, the ashram or the ashram, which is called the Sivananda Yoga Camp in Val Moran. Near Montreal. Uh, uh, near Montreal. So okay. it's a one-hour drive on Highway 15 north of Montreal. So it's uh, to get a taste of the ashram experience. It's, it's, a, it's a great experience, actually. And you, you've been there personally? Or? Yeah, we, we go every year. Okay. And recently more because our son goes to their... They have a three-week kids yoga camp so our son Chi he went last year and he went this year so it's a three week and he enjoys it actually <laughs> we weren't sure uh, but you know three weeks away and we take him there and drop him off and stay the weekend and pick him up and stay the weekend so it yeah it's it's a great it's a good if you want a uh, taste of the ashram life it's a good experience to to go there. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned Chinese medicine in China. So we should point out that your wife Ivy is from China originally, and you spent time in China teaching English, as did I. So tell us maybe about that experience. It's a big experience, obviously, but just say a little bit about your time over there. Time over in, in Guangzhou. Yes, this is South China. So. It was interesting because I wanted to go to Guangzhou uh, because I wanted to travel to the west and to south because I I had been to northern China. I spent a year teaching in a, a junior middle school in North China. But when I was there for that year, I I had heard about Guangzhou and, and Guangdong, more Yunnan province and Qiming. You know, Qiming is the Spring City. It's always the, the climate is quite nice. Uh, not too hot in winter. Not too hot in summer. Not too cold in winter. So it's just a nice climate. So and it was a, it for me like being in North China. Then I guess maybe I possibly saw something on TV about uh, Yunnan and the colorful uh, ceremonial dress that. Uh, that was quite appealing. It was like it was. It was more indigenous and it was more uh, different than <laughs> what I was experiencing in the north. So I thought, well, it's more uh, traditional Chinese uh, uh, feel and colorful. So having the opportunity a couple of years later to go to Guangzhou to teach, then I I went there and. Um, I taught at a middle school. It's attached to Junsan University, number five middle school, and uh, that that uh, spring, that first spring festival, I was there. Um, actually, by that time, I had met uh, Ivy, uh, my wife to be, 
and uh, we met uh, we met at a Christmas party, but we met again uh, at a yoga, a yoga class that I had never been to a yoga class before, but a teacher friend, a, Ger a German teacher uh, at the university, she suggested I go to a yoga, yoga class. So we went to the yoga class she had been. She had been there for, actually, at that, by that time, she had been in Guangzhou a number of years. And uh, so that was my first experience with yoga. And as, as it happens, that particular teacher, Catherine, uh, she went, uh, soon after, she went off to India to, for the, uh, to South India to do her teacher training at a Sivananda yoga ashram in South India, in, in Kerala. And when she came back, she started teaching yoga, and we were going to her classes. And I, Ivy was translating, because you know, most of the students were were uh, Chinese, so Ivy would do the translation, uh, uh, and Catherine was well, teaching in English. And she came back, and she was chanting, and lots of ohms, and it was different. <laughs> it was different um, because there was there seemed to be more to it.
so actually coming back to Canada, that's how we knew the ashram in uh, north of Montreal because Catherine, when she did her advanced teacher training, she actually came to this ashram north of Montreal to, to, to do her uh, advanced. And these are like one, one month intensive. You live there and you breathe there at the mm -hmm. ashram. So they're in one month intensive uh, training. So that's how we know about the ashram here, uh, north of Montreal. That, after that experience, I guess going to, I would have gone to the uh, yoga class. But during the spring festival, the first spring festival, I took a train west to Quiming, uh, a long train. I, I think I had mentioned 52 hours. It was between 48 and 52 hour train train ride to Kuiming and it was it's the longest train ride feeling actually coming back on the train didn't feel as long you know how you always you go on a trip and it's always longer getting there than coming back well that's yeah coming back I you know it wasn't an issue but getting there was it seemed to be a long way a long train ride into the unknown so but uh, getting to uh, to Yunnan province was it was really interesting to arrive in Kuiming and and start you know I was meeting people I was traveling because I had a route I was going to go to uh, to Dali and Lijian and then to Jondian up in the mountains which is part of the start of the Himalayas so the, the Himalaya mountains and it's more of a Tibetan a Tibetan community and Tibetan the temples, the monasteries there are, are Tibetan. So it, it, it's like being in Tibet, except you're not quite. I've met a lot of Tibetan people there. So that trip was amazing, and then, and as colorful as I imagined it to be. The, the people, the, the dress, the, I don't know. It, it was, it's just such a different, you know, place because of the different, uh, uh, ethnic groups in uh, in Yunnan that uh, to live there, so that so their dress and uh, it, and uh, I met foreigners there too. They they um, they were travelers. They lived lived in Kuiming, so that was interesting too. There, there was a community of uh, of people there uh, that seemed to know each other. Whether I stayed at the, ho I was just staying at the hostel in Kuiming. But, but the, yeah, it was my first uh, interesting travel in in China. I think, you know, other than being in Beijing and, and seeing the, the cultural sites there, and uh, I hadn't really at that even at that point I hadn't really explored Guangdong Province and around Guangzhou so much. But I, I had this determination to to go to uh, to Yunnan. So. Okay. And you uh, mentioned you did actually make it to Tibet at some point, right? So tell us about... Oh, Tibet. Uh, Ivy and I went to Tibet. This would have been uh, during, again, the Spring Festival of uh, 2004. So initially I was there, my first Spring Festival vacation, I guess. Because you, you have a month off, so what do you do? You have to go... You want to go somewhere, so that was 2002 because I arrived uh, 
August 2001 in Guangzhou. So this would have been, would have been uh, two years later, or yeah, I guess two, it would have been 2004, uh, Spring Festival. And Ivy and I, we flew to Kuiming. We, we went to Jondian. We, I don't know how we got to Jondian. We took the bus, maybe, took the bus to Jondian which is this, again, I mentioned this uh, town that some have, they call it Shangri-La, Shangri-Li-La, so I don't know. It has this, but I'm not sure if that's actually where Shangri-La was, but there's a book written, or there's a reference to this area. And um, we met up with someone that Ivy knew from, well, that's another story, because uh, it's a bit of a tragic story, but she know, knew this. She knew she had met this policeman who lives in Jondian. Her sister, in 1996, was traveling in Yunnan. I didn't know this until after my travels there. Near Lijian is a town. There's there, there's a place. It's a, like a canyon. It's called the Tiger Leaping Gorge, and her sister. Her eldest sister, Ada, was traveling. She was hiking in the in the gorge, Tiger Leaping Gorge, and she fell to her death in the gorge. And it was kind of devastating. It's tragic. But Ivy and her twin sister Winnie, or Yan, Yin and Yan, went had to go to Yunnan and to identify the body. So both of them, that was their duty. Their parents didn't go. This, you, you know, sent their two youngest, uh, two youngest daughters to go and to identify the body. So when they went to this area, the policeman who was doing the investigation was this guy from Jondian. So they kept in touch. And when we went to, we were planning on going to Tibet, kept in touch that we would go to Kuiming, go to Jondian, and we spent a week in Jondian. It was cold. It was minus, you know, in the winter, it's minus 25 there in the spring, <laughs> in February. This is February. And uh, he arranged. No problem with, no problem with uh, Ivy going to Tibet, but there was a problem with maybe a foreigner going to Tibet. So he arranged for me to go to Tibet, and I I don't think, you know. So we spent a week in in Jondian. We he gave us a tour of the area to Malishan, uh, different parts of uh, northern uh, Yunnan province, and. Uh, wonderful and then he put us on a plane or we got we got on a plane we flew from Jondian to Lasha okay. and then we we uh, we were there we were there so and you know I, I've, I've been seen different places I've traveled a bit you know, in Europe and and uh, but I don't know that that experience was something
And then I was with someone who was very special to me, and, and I mean, at, at that time, because um, we married here in Ottawa in 2003, so actually in September 2003, and we waited till going to Tibet to, you know, travel, to go somewhere together. Although mm -hmm. we, we had to go back and work and teach in, in Guangzhou, but, but uh, I guess that was our honeymoon, was our trip to Tibet. So that, okay. that makes it me meaningful. But sure. I did want to, I know you, you gave me some CDs and you were like a singer-songwriter maybe I would describe you as at some point. Yes. So tell yes. us, a tour, just at the end here, tell us a bit about well, I, I guess after high school I picked up the guitar and, and uh, I don't know, I just had to start writing songs and uh, you know, I always listened to singer-songwriters, you know, I was thinking of all the different influences of, of writing, you know, James Taylor, Cat Stevens, Neil Young, you know, Bruce Coburn, you know, early influences of uh, you know songwriters and uh, yeah and I, I and I enjoyed music so I, I was studying music and but I yeah and then I I would record so I, I was recording I'd like to record and uh, I did did that uh, I guess that would be in I made my first recording I guess in official recording was called Letting Go. So I don't know what I was actually letting go, but there was, at that time, but there was something that I was shedding because it took me many years, like that was maybe 1994, so all those years before, and I, I managed to say, okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm going to somehow have the money to do this and, and, uh, and make a recording and so I made a cassette recording, letting go, and then the next one was uh, in a groove, in a grove, and that because I had set up a studio at my my grandparents uh, had retired up in Muskoka, and uh, they bought a piece of land, four acres of land, and a house, and so they had left that, you know, for the family, and it sort of passed on. So at that time, I was living in on the acres and I set up a recording studio. So that, I guess that was it, you know, and, and I, I set up the studio and I started recording. And then I started traveling because I, I went to London, England, I, I traveling, I was starting to write. I was right, I was going to the Czech Republic. I, the reason I started teaching ESL was to, because when I traveled to these places, I, need, I needed to work because I didn't have enough money. So I was thinking, well, how am I going to work if I, you know, travel to Czech Republic, you know, travel to England or travel to uh, China? Then I could, I could teach, teach English. Yeah. So mm -hmm. musically, yeah, I don't write songs anymore. And I, I can't see myself writing songs mm -hmm. again because I think I've, seen, I've observed enough, I've kind of reported as maybe sort of as a writer, as a journalist on what's been happening, but I, I don't feel the need 
to be reporting and and my personal experience and and what I've you know, uh, been been experiencing. But now I I I feel satisfied just to to chant. Yeah, I let my my mom heard your CD and she. She said you sounded like Bruce Coburn, so ah, that's so, a compliment. Well, I've seen, I've, I, I hear those early influences too. Huh. Yeah. Okay. I think it was just maybe the, some of the the mel melody, or maybe the topic, or just that. All yeah. right. So at the end here, you can tell us how to get in touch with you, or tell us the website of Wishing Tree, or any other final words. Well, yeah, there's the Wishing Tree. That's probably the the best way. To, to get in touch with me, it's uh, wishingtreeyoga.ca. And uh, I do have my own website where I've put all my recordings in one area, one place. I've transferred them from cassettes and CDs onto, uh, onto the website and uh, you know, scanned the photos and things. So that's uh, stuartmcisaac.com weebly.com so that's also available uh, you could get a hold of me there but it, it's probably best through wishing tree because then yeah there's uh, email addresses and contact information there okay okay so Stuart thank you for your time today on the podcast you're very welcome Mark thank you well that does it for another episode just a reminder, the website for this podcast is furtherreflections.net. There you can find the episode archive. You can find more about myself. You can support the podcast. And you can see the archive of my previous podcast, Reflections On. Thanks for listening.